Welcome back to another episode of Laser Graves. I'm your co-host, E.K. Wimmer. Hey, E.K., I'm Mariah Rose. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you? Pretty good. Been pretty busy. I uh, finished up the music for another short film today, and I have a another single coming out for my solo project, Blood Relations, that will be coming out on August 9th. Brand new single. So I've been That's a little soon. busy. Yeah, you have. That's great. That's coming out real soon. Put it on your put it on your calendar. Circle it with a heart. Yeah, or you don't have to pretend to want to listen no, to no. it just because you listen to this podcast. You're gonna do it. You're not one of those people who goes, I'll come to your show and then doesn't show up. Yeah. You're everybody's gonna go check it that out. Person. No, I'm not. Okay. What have you been up to? Oh, hey, I've been teaching yoga. Uh-huh. I've been working on painting mm-hmm. and enjoying the last few days of summer with our kids. Yeah. Um, well, before we get into the last few days of summer, welcome to our podcast if oh. you are a new listener, because <laughs> <laughs> we're about to get into another story. <laughs> I feel like if you don't even know what you're listening to, you'd be like, why do I care about this? You Um, care. We are a podcast dedicated to the 80s, and we will be talking 80s stuff. But before we do that, we're going to be talking a story that took place in 80 plus degree weather instead. Oh, 90s. So since the last time we spoke, we had something very interesting happen. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) So the saga of our swamp cooler AC unit continues through the summer. Oh, yes. Only to have a 2.0 episode (laughs) that was something special. Fascinating. I took a day off because I've been working hard and thought, you know what? I've got all this time off. Let me just enjoy a day. So we did something in the morning. It was nice. Came home. I had a lot of cool plans. And as we pull up, I notice our entire AC unit is no longer attached to our home. It is ripped off. sitting on the ground well it was like what eight feet up yeah so it wasn't like it just tipped over it was eight feet up off the ground it had torn out of the side of our house yes and there was an arc of water shooting at our brand new neighbor's house and like twisted metal everywhere that's that's what we call the team wimmer welcome to our neighbors i know (laughs) poor poor neighbors well they're like who did we move next to anyway i'll save the details um but we're without ac Mm -hmm. and to show our dedication to our listeners we're also without ac and without fans right now recording because you don't want fans going while you're recording I don't know. Maybe you do. So needless to say, this is going to be a hot episode. Hot takes. Hot takes throughout this entire episode. Oh, I'm, I can feel sweat behind my knees right now. Well, better than other places. Ugh. With all that being said, this week we are getting into... An, okay, we say we watch bonkers films a lot, but uh-huh. this one this one is très bonkers. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. We are watching this week the uh, French-American crossover Mm. from 1986, Nightmare Weekend. You are about to enter the 21st century of terror. Nightmare Weekend. When computer technology goes mad. Now you're going to die. You die. 
that high-tech action gets out of control. Nightmare Weekend. A group of college students were invited to spend a pleasure weekend in a mansion. But instead experienced a Nightmare Weekend. Nightmare Weekend. The first high-tech terror film. Witness an experiment so frightening that it will never leave your mind. Die! <laughs> Experience a lust for power so gruesome that you may lose your mind. Nightmare Weekend. When horrifying humans team up with murderous machines. Nightmare Weekend. When modern technology gets out of human control, the action never stops. Nightmare Weekend. It's the first high-tech terror film. Nightmare Weekend. The 21st century of terror. Read it off. Okie dokie. Well, so for those of you who follow my Instagram account for my tapes at Arg the Awful, you'll know that I posted this tape not too long ago because it was a first time watch and I was just absolutely mesmerized by it. And then the other night when I was picking out movies for you to watch, I thought I had a pretty, pretty strong selection. Mm hmm. And then it occurred to me that I had completely forgot about Nightmare Weekend and that you had to watch it. And you selected it, and it made me very happy. And I think my advice to you was get your pen ready because you will want to be take, taking a lot of notes for this one. Which was silly, silly advice because there is no sense to be made of this movie. No, but there are a lot of questions that need to be jotted down. Yes, you should have said keep a list of questions. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Maybe that was a better one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nightmare Weekend is indescribable. Um, but we're just gonna we're gonna try our best. And yeah, we're gonna try and talk about it. <laughs> I absolutely. I'm just gonna front load it. Love this movie so much. It is so far beyond bizarre. I don't even know what to say about it, but. It's an interesting one. We'll get into why it is what it is. But I have this on VHS. I have the Lightning release, which is slightly different. It did recently get a very nice Blu-ray release. And the Blu-ray has a little bit more footage put back into it that had been cut out. Oh, good. Mainly just the sex scenes, um, which... <laughs> You know, I don't know if we really needed longer scenes. There, were, that there was, was like 40% of the movie. <laughs> There's plenty to begin with. 82% of the movie. But at the same time, why not? And it looked really good. It was the scan of it's really nice. Otherwise, most of it, what I noticed, because we watched it on Tubi, which is the Blu-ray scan of it. Okay. Because I wanted to see the other version and see if there was a lot missing. 
and between my VHS copy and the Blu-ray release, I didn't really notice anything different, uh, minus, you know, a couple more extended scenes. So I went into it blind, watched it. I couldn't believe what I had just witnessed. Tried to explain it to you, but couldn't. And then you watched it. Blind. Because I didn't read about it. I didn't read the synopsis. That's one thing that I often do when you approach me with these ridiculous movies, which is, uh, I don't know necessarily the best approach, but it is interesting because I don't know. The way this movie starts, I'm like, are we watching a spy movie? What's happening? So wild way to watch a movie and I highly recommend it go to your local theater don't look at anything just choose a name and walk in and watch it and see what happens it is really fun and it's also really fun especially in the case of this movie because it I mean it wastes zero time in getting crazy so to be able to look over at you and watch you you're a very intelligent person Thanks. but I could see your brain instantly shutting down within minutes of being like I'm not quite sure what I'm witnessing right now. When there was a puppet, yeah, <laughs> well, we'll get I to was it. angry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Before we get to it, <laughs> you were angry. Well, that is true. You were a little angry. I'm like, why are you angry? You should be happy. <laughs> this, is, this is a real treat. Nightmare Weekend. I don't even know. Okay. So the setup is that it was written by a Frenchman and directed by a Frenchman. And between the two of them, they had an idea. Oh, two different French. Yeah, two French, French guys men. wrote a script in French. Are their... there are their names Henri and Jacques? No. Well, one of them is Henri. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, did you know that? <laughs> you just guessed. <laughs> well, good guess. <laughs> you think of French are like, oh, I wonder if his name is Jack Smith. <laughs> yes, Henri. Henri Sala is the director of this film, Raya. <laughs> so two French guys got their French crew together and then hired an American cast. Oh. Story goes that there were two versions of the script written one in French, one in English. And then as the film was being shot, the French one was being updated, but wasn't being translated to the English one. Huh. So we're already getting a nice setup for a very fun film. Wow. Add to that, the entire cast had their voices overdubbed, minus, I think, one person. Why? Which gives it this very surreal quality, mm -hmm. which you can't tell if it's intentional or if they really were trying their hardest to make a film. I'm going to tell you they were trying their hardest. Okay. So as we work through this film, I want one question to stay in the back of your mind. Oh. Is this film what it is because it was made by French people? <laughs> or is it because it was just a bizarre film to begin with and it didn't matter who was directing it? It was going to turn out weird. I think that we have seen enough American crazy films to say Americans are perfectly capable of making their own chaotic nonsense. And it's a, a fresh new way of seeing chaotic nonsense when you bring in a French voice. It's true. 
it was really magnifique. But <laughs> say that this film, one of the things that I do like about it is that it starts right away. Like the first two minutes are so jam packed with everything we love about movies that it's kind of like an overstimulation where I want to just shut down because I can't handle how amazing it is. Here's the thing, though, folks, just follow along. And there's no rhyme or reason. And we will, it's going to be like a word salad. Just enjoy this word salad because weird things happen and they don't make sense. Yeah, this is one of those special films where even if we walk through it, we won't spoil it because no. you still have to see it to believe it. It's true. And you won't. Yeah, you're good. It's fine. So let's start with planes. A plane landing yeah. a little like two seater plane landing in a field in the dark of night. <laughs> okay. That and sounds like a plan. It pulls up stopping just in front. It's headlights illuminating two motorcycles. Oh, yeah. The motorcycles. Best friends on motorcycles. <laughs> the Out of the plane hop two men. They hop on the motorcycles. One of them gets on a little walkie-talkie and announces his arrival. There's some sort of plan happening. Definitely seems spy-like. And they zoom off into the night. Yeah, they come upon a home where they're going to like break in and try and set up some technology. So we already get that there's like espionage and stuff. But wait, because this scene is interrupted by a puppet with green hair talking in a robot voice whose lips are a heart. <laughs> okay. And he goes, danger, danger, <laughs> in front of a screen. And this is the point. We're not two minutes in when I looked at you full of rage and said, there are puppets in this film? And you were like, yeah, there are. Yeah, it's really amazing. This The puppets alerting that there's danger. Long story short, um, the puppet can interact with a, a supercomputer. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys who's trying to break into this house loses his half of his... <laughs> Best friends forever necklace. These two spies, I guess, have a best friends necklace. One of them climbs onto the roof and is manually adjusting a satellite dish. And his best friends necklace comes off, turns into a metal ball and kills him. Yes. And it's very graphic and awesome. But it's like the it's like a miniature phantasm ball. Yeah. That is created through the computer that the puppet is controlling oh. <laughs> and that's just the opening scene and if that isn't enough we get the the most jamming theme song you know how we are on laser graves you guys know us by now one thing we love is theme songs for our movies and boy howdy does this one get a get a sweet sweet jam to start this film off yeah we're gonna play a little clip right now thank you speak to me you are a darkness a total mystery you are a nightmare a nightmare fantasy you are a taker and you have taken 
Man, this is just the opening sequence. You know what this reminds me of? Do you remember we did, um, I think it's called The Outing, but it's also called The Lamp with the genie. And they're at a museum. <laughs> we covered it. What? But the opening of that film was so over the top with people robbing a house and an old lady and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. It's like you can't even. Shoot, I forgot about that. Yeah, I know. You can't even control what you're seeing. It's that level right now. You know, as I was just speaking, I thought, oh, no. How are we going <laughs> to proceed? But we're going to do it. We're going to power through this. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, to note that we didn't talk about at the beginning. This is a trauma release. But before you think, oh, it's cheating. It's a trauma film. Nope. It's not. It's one of those trauma films that trauma just released because... I'm assuming nobody else would. <laughs> and Trauma was like, oh, yeah, we'll do that one. Yeah, perfect. So you do get the, the seal of approval from Trauma, but you don't get the shortcuts and kind of cheating by it being a Trauma production. Why does Trauma feel like cheating? Because they're self-aware. Oh. And that's yeah. where I think the distinction is. Like, this, to me, is not self-aware. No. This is they made a movie the best they could, and then somebody like Trauma said... Yep, that's exactly what we're looking for. Perfect. And um, the French filmmakers were not maybe aware of the joke. Henri and Jacques. Definitely Henri. So and Jean-Claude. <laughs> <laughs> I bet we can name the entire crew without looking on IMDb. Ooh, we sh no. No, no, we don't nope. have time. We don't have time for this. Okay, so we're not going to go through everything, but but there's just too much to not talk about. Okay, so let's just scoot along from this weird scene with the metal ball and the head exploding situation and the robot. Let's go to a dancer size class. I, come on now, seriously. I mean, <laughs> how could you follow it up any better than like jazzercise? It's just, it's too much for me to bear. And it's like, uh, everybody's kind of calling, phoning it in in this class. Like, everybody's kind of only 40% involved in the dance class. And it's mostly older women, but there are two hotties. And one is talking to the other and trying to convince her to go with her to a... So one friend is trying to convince another to go to a special weekend wherein she has been hired by a scientist to come make $500 in a like psychological weekend, but there is a limo driver involved. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the limo driver later. <laughs> He's one of my favorite characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we get these two hotties doing aerobics, 80s aerobics, right after that opening. I mean, come on. Yeah, One Slam of them dunk. is named Jessica and the other is Jessica's friend. I mean, she has a name. Don't worry about it. Jessica is cute, too. She's such a great lead. Yeah. Like, she's got... She's the total package, which shocked me because this is the only thing she's ever been in. I know. She was such a babe. I was like, sure, surely she's, like, gone on to do something, and nope. I thought for sure not only would she be in multiple films after this, but then she would probably do, like, soap operas or something. Because yeah. she's such a babe and has this charm about her that mm -hmm. she didn't... She wasn't a bad actress by any means, either. Mm -hmm. She just kind of... Well... You just got handed a French script. How can you be a good actress in this? Never oh, mind. Never mind. No, Everybody you can be a perfect. good actress in this. Trust I take me. that back. So, yeah, I was surprised by that, though, that this was the only thing she's ever mm -hmm. done. 
So her, she's like, no thanks, I can't. I gotta go hang out with my scientist dad. But the friend is going with two other women in a limo to a strange weekend. Just hold on to that thought. The place, their destination is at a mansion where there is a maid who's given a name, Mary Rose, a butler named Harry, and a driver named Ralph. <laughs> yeah. And they are all being sort of led by the, like, scientist who is the coordinator of this event named Julie. And Julie is, like, the evil one in this story. Where she's the bad guy. She's got ulterior motives to this because there's this power struggle between the scientists that developed this amazing technology to be able to change behavior in animals. But Julie, the evil scientist, sees the implications being far greater where she could control human subjects. And she, that's, she wants to do that. And he's saying... No way are we going to do that. And that's really the plot of this story at the core is that there is this sci-fi technology. Is this a sci-fi film? Mm. I mean, I guess it is. Yeah, sci-fi horror. Okay. So there's this sci-fi technology that can manipulate people's behavior. Yes. And they use fancy terms like bioelectronics and biometer Mm -hmm. and 212 patents. To describe the main scientist, who happens to be Jessica's dad. It is very um, effective to say bio before something. Mm-hmm. Because your sister-in-law is a bioinformatics scientist. She's a bioinformaticist. So I don't know what that is, but because I know the word bio before it, it mm-hmm. sounds really impressive. I think she's hearing cancer right now. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Good to her. So she should have been in this film. Okay, so we have a lead scientist who has 212 patents. These, he's the dad. He actually plays a small role. He is Jessica's dad. It's Jessica's are hottie. Mm-hmm. But he is being undermined by Julie, who has decided the best way to try out his technology that he has only thus far used on animals is to invite three hot college chicks to come stay at a mansion where she's going to use this technology on them to prove that it works on people. No problem. That makes sense to me. And to do so, she hired a maid, a butler, and a limo driver. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess I hadn't given that much thought. Yes. The crew that she assembled. And this also, in this weird soup of an explanation that we get in the first 20 minutes... Uh, we also learned that the dad has made what is not actually a puppet, George. He is a robot. And remember, we talked about the puppet earlier. Mm-hmm. George is not a puppet. Uh, but he... It, okay, so technically speaking, it's just some French guy's hand through a table operating a traditional puppet. It's got yarn hair. But straight up yarn hair. It's supposed to be a super robot that can control this mega computer. <laughs> and it's got r- strong opinions about things oh. and life advice for our main hottie. Well, and the main hottie, Jessica, she uses George, the green haired puppet robot, as like a diary, as a best friend for advice. But he'll sometimes patch into the supercomputer. That I guess is being used in the... Apache. Yep. It's being used in the main experiment, but sometimes George sneakily logs in and they control random cars. 
So if you haven't seen this film, just to set the scene, one brief moment, just a snapshot. Okay. Imagine you're in a teenager's bedroom, but she's actually in college. Like her, she's clearly older than she's pretending to be. She is dressed in a white, uh, silky underwear and top, talking to a hand puppet that is running a supercomputer who suggests that she should play uh, a racing game. Mm-hmm. This racing game turns out can control cars in real life, but she's unaware of it. This is just a split second in this film. Yeah. So I just want you guys to understand what we're trying to to mm. even discuss right now. What What's happening? Where I'm, are we? Oh, and the whole time, everybody is being overdubbed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you forgot oh. that. Okay, so let's let's move on. So we have the limo driver. He's going to pick up the three babes. Jessica is not included in this list. It's three girls. There's a whole scene where one of these girls is handed a sandwich by her mother. Super weird. Why? And it's in like a full brown bag. Yeah, like a huge like grocery bag. And then she sandwich. eats it and the other girl shames her for eating it. But then she complains that the sandwich is dry and throws it out the window. <gasps> oh, wait, that's why. Because then they have to stop at that like roadhouse to get a drink. That's right. So they stop at a roadhouse. It's there that we learn that the limo driver has like an agreement. I guess this roadhouse doesn't serve booze except to the limo driver, but he takes it in the form of like a little bottle between two pieces of bread, like a sandwich. Yeah, that's not, we're not like making that up. Take two pieces of bread, those little single shot. Like a little flask. Yeah, well, just the little single shot bottles that you can buy at the store. Oh, yeah. Of whiskey or something. Put one of those in between two pieces of bread and then hold it up like a sandwich, but drink out of it. Mm-hmm. He does this on multiple occasions. I don't think it's because they don't serve alcohol. No, they did say that at one point. Oh, I thought it was because uh, Julie said, I, mu- I better not smell a drop of alcohol on your lips. Well, she did say that. But also at what is clearly a bar, there is a statement made that they don't sell alcohol. So they hand him his special sandwich and the the limo driver just drinks this booze sandwich. Yes. <laughs> okay, this is a moment I need to pause and ask you. Would this have been any different if it was directed by an American director? Was this written into the script? And if so, how does it even matter who's directing it? Why did somebody write, put a miniature bottle of alcohol between two pieces of bread? We have watched a lot of French cinema and their humor is a little different. Maybe they think it's funny there. What's weird is none of this is shot with a sense of humor. Wait, but I think the French think Americans are pretty prudish. So they probably wrote in that Americans can't have alcohol at their bars and they thought it would be really funny. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so at this bar that doesn't serve alcohol unless you're a limo driver and then they give it to you in a sandwich form, all of these three girls, they go in, they get their drink, but they're meeting boys. Oh, man, they're meeting some obnoxious boys. Let's talk about um, Walkman. Okay, his name is Tony. He has headphones and he dances. He dances like he's got ants in his pants. You know what? (laughs) Every person who dances in this film dances like they're having some sort of fit. 
like a mental health crisis. The dancing throughout this entire film is really bizarre. Like ants and pants, but it seems more like they're playing pranks and putting ice down each other's shirts and then trying to scoot it out the bottom of their pant legs. It's super weird. It's really awkward. But the guy with the Walkman in particular, there's a couple scenes in this film where first off he shouldn't be dancing he has no business dancing during i want that more scene. dancing his name is tony <laughs> but and he is ready he's really dancing what's interesting is there's music on in this bar that doesn't serve alcohol but he insists on the headphones um that's fine you do you bud but another dude who i guess is his friend dude with a mustache is trying to hook up with one of the dancing ladies mm-hmm or one of the girls that's having an experiment. They're dancing now. I'm sorry. Tony, headphones guy, dances himself out, pelvic thrusting out of the bar, and slashes a tire on the limo. And also, they call it a limo. It is not a limo. It's just like a Cadillac. <laughs> well, but he's dressed like a limo driver. It's true. He is a driver, for sure. You think that would work? Hmm. Do you think, like... Well, I'm just, okay, hypothetical here. Okay. You get hired to shuttle some high schoolers to their prom. Okay. You think if you had a black, say a, a Buick, whatever, town car or something like that, <laughs> with tinted windows, but it wasn't a limo, it just was black with tinted windows, and you got out and opened the door for them wearing a full limo driver costume, mm-hmm. you think they would even register that it wasn't a limo? I feel like the mind would fill in the blanks and it'd be like, sweet, that limo driver just opened our door for us. Maybe. Or maybe they'd be like, Beyonce doesn't do limos. <laughs> okay. She doesn't? No, I don't think celebrities do limos. I think limos are 80s. I don't believe that. Yeah. And then like early 2000s, it was like Hummer limos. Oh, there definitely were. What was with that? Yeah. Hummer limos. When we lived in Denver, we were in apartments and there were houses, like kind of nice houses behind us. And I remember one of the houses had a Hummer limo service and they always had a Hummer limo parked in, in front of their house. What a weird time that was. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was a, just not, this wasn't even a limo. This was a car. And Tony, headphones, Tony pops a tire while jamming out to his music, like fully into the music. And thankfully, Tony did this because his friend with a mustache hooks up in the non-limo with one of the three girls, like fully having sex while the limo driver changes the tire on the car. And in the woods, the other two girls are laying on a like blanket and headphones Tony is pelvic thrusting and dancing with his headphones on. <laughs> this, is, this is like straight out of a David Lynch movie. Why? It's so weird. This whole scene is just a moment of just absolute chaos. I think it's really interesting that um, an aspect of this film is it's there's a lot of nudity. There's a lot of sex scenes. Uh-huh. And it's because this director had only done porn prior to this. Oh. And so my question throughout is, I saw that he said he didn't want to do this because he said, oh, it's just a porn film disguised as a horror. Yeah. I don't want to do that. But then I thought, well, why was he hired? What was the intent of this film? <laughs> <laughs> I just What's felt happening? like... 
it it opened up so many more questions than it answered yeah. that I had to just kind of uh, close that book and then go on with my life. But like Pandora's box, you can't put it back. It's true. So anyway, let's just move along. So the girls get to the the mansion where the experiments are going to happen, but that's not before we were introduced to one other character we didn't mention in the club Who? or the the roadhouse, the oh. pinball wizard, the pinball master. Yeah, so it's a couple, a woman who looks kind of vaguely like Susan Sarandon if you squint, mm-hmm. uh, and her boyfriend. And her boyfriend's like this punk who just hangs out and plays pinball all day. Yeah, he also kind of looks like uh, he's from Greece. Yes. He's one of those guys. I don't really know. And these two have, I, I don't think it's at this point, it doesn't matter, full-on sex on a pinball machine while making eye contact with everybody in the bar. Yeah, that comes a little later once our lead roller skates there. We'll get, oh, we'll get there later. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> There's yeah. so much to get through, let's go. Let's go to it. You're, uh, we just can't. We can't do this all. Jessica decides she needs to roller skate to this bar, and so she does. And meanwhile, uh, no. You know what? You wait. You, dear listener... Wait, and you can explore the subplot of the aggressive Doberman all on your own because I don't think I have the mental capacity to take that take that tri- trip right now. Let's talk about uh, the Leeds roller skating outfit. That's pretty cool, huh? It's very cool. This to me should have been the cover of the movie. Like, yeah, she she's pretty. Yeah, it's red and white. She's fit. She's roller skating poorly. Why do they make her a bad roller skater? I don't know. But if you imagine the illustrative covers of the 80s, like really cool photo reel illustration, imagine her roller skating in that outfit. And then behind her, there being some sort of evil. That would have been a really cool cover. Except for there's no genuine evil in this film. And the puppet in the background. Would you? Okay. I mean, I don't ask you for favors very often. You do not want me to spend my life painting this? Can you please? Well, you don't have to paint it necessarily. Oh my goodness. But could you maybe do a conceptual mock-up of a cover idea that I have for this? All right. Send me some reference photos. I'll do it. Maybe we'll do a raffle and and, um, raffle off a print of it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. We haven't done a giveaway in a long time. Let's do it. A custom... Custom cover of Nightmare Weekend. Kind of Trust me, like I it's going to be it. better than any other cover you've ever seen for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she goes to this bar, roller skates there, doesn't do it well. And this is when the humping pinball couple comes along. But this is where we meet Ken. Ken is the guy, we saw him earlier because he had the best friend's necklace. His best friend was the one who died. He shows up on his motorcycle, and for some reason, sparks fly between him and Jessica. So there is love at first sight happening. Yeah, when we say best friend's necklace, that's what we mean. You know, like the two little pieces of a heart that break apart? Yeah, like when you're eight? Yeah, when we're two grown men (laughs) each (laughs) piece. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you said... You said, well, there's definitely, this is going to play a bigger role. And I said, it's not. This is a French director trying to convey that 
that he was best friends with this guy. And the best way to do that is to wear a best friend's necklace. And that's actually what happened. Well, we do. There's no other point to it. We do get a flashback scene uh, between the best friends. Yes. Um, Doing like drag racing and stuff. Well, kind of. They like ride motorcycles in a circle around a bucket of money. (laughs) And... I just remembered that that whole scene is actually a flashback while he's. Then it comes to me. Do you remember? So, oh my gosh. So, wait. This scene is a flashback of him and his best friend doing, doing circles around a bucket of money. We all know. trio of girls the one who had sex in the fake limo comes back to grab the mustache guy again and she brings him to the mansion and she starts seducing him but right right before they're about to go for round two she's like psych i got a shower she goes into the shower and a Oh, you're remembering, aren't you? Metal ball shoots into her mouth. (laughs) We gotta get through this, dear. And she comes out, and she just kind of, like, rubs his mustache. (laughs) Okay, well, back to the puppet. (laughs) All right, wait. Pull it together. Oh, you guys, we'll get through. We'll get through it. This is where Jessica gives her robot puppet <laughs> apple juice from a juice box. <laughs> apple juice from a juice box. back we're together we're not gonna lose control again yep okay put together so after jessica gives george a drink from an apple juice juice box he advises her that if she wants to seduce ken the motorcycle guy she should wear white because it matches her hair and she should hitchhike because that's the way you attract a gentleman caller this is after she discusses the feelings that she's having mm-hmm. and the puppet reveals that he's determined that means she's in love yeah okay I... yeah because she's like it's in my tummy <laughs> yeah that is true okay i forgot about that too and so she tries she tries george's advice but then unfortunately the wrong motorcyclist comes up and it's the weird pinball dude and he's like you know what gonna rape so 
okay, this escalated quickly. And he starts chasing her through the forest while he's driving his motorcycle. And George somehow is able to see her like he's God. And like this omnipotent puppet robot sees that she is in danger. And he saves her via a watch somehow. And that... Well, the watch gets converted to one of the silver phantasm balls. Metal ball. Shoots into his neck. But this is not before we get a really cool action sequence with the guy who she's got the crush on. Ken. Ken comes and they do this choreography that's really awkward. Then the ball shoots into him. Mm -hmm. He falls back into a swamp that just happens to be behind him. Mm -hmm. And he blows up. It's pretty graphic. It's really awesome. All while the puppet is shouting, danger, danger. (laughs) Oh. Also, here's the time. So she's lost her shirt, obviously. Well, that happens. And she wears Ken's shirt, and they go to gas up his motorcycle. And I have an interesting little tidbit about the gassing up. Oh, what? So gas pump attendant number one has the most extensive... Uh, IMDB credit. Oh, why? His name is Dean Gates. Okay. And he, I'm going to name a few of the films he was involved with. Blue Velvet, Day of the Dead, Maximum Overdrive, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, and so many more. What? He's a makeup artist and apparently a darn good one. Is he the one that pours the gasoline all over the motorcycle right after he fills it up? I think that's him. Yeah. Okay. There are I... two of them. It takes two gas attendants to get gas here. But yeah, okay. he has quite a career. Wow, Nobody else that's does. crazy. Yeah. You know, speaking of, we haven't gotten to this week's fun fact. Should we do it? Yeah. Okay, well, for this week's fun fact, Mariah, mm-hmm. do you remember uh, last episode? Yeah. When we discussed maybe not doing a fun fact, but instead doing a selection of and, and you have to decide which one is the real fun fact? Yeah. You ready to try this? Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you three fun facts. Okay. You have to decide which one is the real fun fact. The true fun fact. Okay, listeners, you can also play along. (laughs) Okay, number one. Should we, like, set some music behind this? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Number one. The dollhouse that they're using, like that exterior strange house that they're in, Mm -hmm. looks like a dollhouse, was also used in the 1996 film Amityville Dollhouse. Oh. Number two. Singer Miriam Stockley, who did the opening track that we've played a couple times now, mm-hmm. uh, once worked with Australian pop sensation Kylie Minogue. Or three, as told in the Blu-ray featurette, tensions arose regularly on set between the crew who were native to France and the Canadian French crew. <laughs> Okay, what are you going with? Oh my gosh, that is tricky. I thought it would be really clear. It's not. I think it's probably C, but I really want it to be B or 2. So what's your final? I'm going to go with Kylie Minogue because I want it to be true. You are correct. Yay! 
<laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that was this week's fun fact. <sighs> that was a good one. That Thanks. was real good. I Thanks. like this. Okay. Back so, to the movie. Let's let's wrap this puppy up. So mustache guy in the interim of this weekend. Remember the guy who had his mustache rubbed? Mm-hmm. He's bought the bar. Why? Yeah, what the hell was that all about? Why? And why did he do it in one day? He was getting late. When did he go to the bank? And he's got this, like, his dad's suit on. Yeah. He's like, good news, I bought the bar. Okay, and then Julie, we haven't even hardly talked about her, but she's the bad guy. And guess what? She put a tarantula in the sink because she knows that Mary Rose, the maid, who has truly had two scenes up till this point, is afraid of spiders. What? Okay, let's talk about this scene real fast, because this is one that you can maybe not catch if you're trying to absorb this entire film in one go. She gets the whole phantasm ball behavioral adjustment from Julie and all of a sudden is laying on the ground and the tarantula crawls up to her and now she's not afraid of tarantulas <laughs> because she's been adjusted to it but she's also like kissing the tarantula it's really weird well it goes awry and there's actually a quote from Julie earlier where she said do you think the loss of inhibition and suppression of fears is dangerous <laughs> and that explains everything else that happens so loss of fears and suppression uh, or loss of inhibition and suppression of fear so apparently that also makes them drip green goo from their face and lose their hair and become murderous they become full like mutants just yep. so we're aware okay so yeah for some reason mary rose got the the ball and now she's a mutant that likes tarantulas mm-hmm Okay. Because Julie put one in the sink. Okay. All right. I'm following. Oh, there's so many sex scenes we blew past, too. So there's just lots and lots of sex. What happens is a really long sex scene, like really long, but it's, you think, ah, oh, maybe it's sexy. It's not. It's just kind of uncomfortable. And you're like checking your watch going, when's this going to be over? And then when it's over, everybody gets the ball treatment and goes crazy. And it turns into just mutant co-eds mm -hmm. everywhere well like four of them well i mean they're throughout the entire mansion okay oh, but they are pretty fun one the main one has like a bald spot on her head because she just brushes it supposed to be pretty spooky mm -hmm. <laughs> that's really it's, funny it's some of them actually have mutations to their face like their face has weird been altered teeth, now weird green goo it's really weird okay and then julie says it's all jessica's dad's fault Whatever. The dad's kind of temporarily held hostage, and they all end up at an airplane hangar. Well, before we get there, oh, okay. there is one scene that I also wanted to discuss. What is it? When the dad is being held hostage by Julie in a different location, he's at their other place. Yeah, there are is, two houses, which is not clear. They're not connected at all. They're in totally different spots. And he is bound in a bathroom at this other spot. Mm -hmm. And to break free, he, do you remember this scene? Yes. He rips uh, just a random plug on the wall in the bathroom of the house. It looks like it's part of the toilet. And it shuts down all the electricity in the mansion that's in a totally different spot of this town. Yep. Just so you remember that happened. 
Duh. That's how he foils the computer that, to shut it down. And that's the Apache computer, not George. No. Yeah. George, George is, is still, still going active. strong. Yeah. Okay. So Julie, she's trying to like get out of there, I guess. Things have gotten out of control. And so she gets in the limo and <laughs> is making a break. And Mary Rose, remember, tarantula girl, has hopped into the back seat with a machete. <laughs> and she slits Julie's throat. Mary Rose, who has had no role in this movie beyond two scenes or maybe three at this point. Yeah, she comes in strong. She slits her throat. And then this is all happening. Jessica's in danger and Mary Rose is approaching and Ken comes up out of nowhere. They're in an airplane hangar. Does this make sense? No, no. And Ken grabs the nearest tool. It's like a gigantic wrench for a plane. And he kills Mary Rose. And then something, I'm not sure if it's a piece of the wrench or the metal ball that like flew out of Mary Mm -hmm. Rose, hits a light switch, which activates the uh, garage door opener on this airplane hanger and it comes down and crushes his head while jessica screams and his eyeballs ooze out like melting ice cream it's really good and then it just says the end that's it and then the theme song comes back on oh man we left out so much oh wait the sex scene too between jessica and ken there's this whole sex scene at a, like, lakefront property. Yeah. No context. But it, in only this scene, we get Jessica's inner dialogue. Oh, yeah. She's like, touch my face. Yes, touch my face. I don't know how I feel this way. <laughs> Can this last forever? My tummy feels weird. <laughs> and there was also a whole subplot about extortion of money and stuff. <laughs> Do you remember that? You forgot. Ken was like getting half a million dollars oh, for something my gosh. too. Oh boy. Oh man. And another subplot where Ken was in a relationship with Julie. Oh, I forgot about that too. Okay, guys. Well, that's all we can do for this one. This is just too much to handle. We've done all we can. I feel like maybe we got in too deep. Like, we we had good intentions. <laughs> this may be just a little too much for is us. Is it? Could have been a two-part series, actually. Oh, my goodness, no. We got to let this go. You rode this train with us. It's the last stop. Get off. Oh, boy. All right, well... I really, really hope that you seek out Nightmare Weekend and watch it. Mm -hmm. It's something else. It is on Tubi for free streaming, so you might as well watch it. Or there's a really beautiful Blu-ray that came out, or you can track down the VHS. But there's plenty of ways to see it. It will not disappoint um, if you are open-minded to wonderful things. Uh, Let us know if you have watched this and uh, what your thoughts are. Yeah. And uh, recommend it to a friend. (laughs) Tell them why a grave sent you. Say, don't read the back. Just this is so good. Okay. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm I'm still recovering from this one. Okay. This was fun. I'm really glad you watched this. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Such chaos. Love it. You did like it? Well, yeah. Okay, good. We laughed a lot, and I couldn't wait to talk to you about it. Oh, boy. Okay, well, thanks for joining us with this attempt at trying to explain what we saw. 
Uh-huh. Uh, it was something special. If this is your first episode, we're sorry. Come back another time. Yeah. Well, you know, this is what you get. You just never know what you get when you pop in an 80s film. No. Sometimes it's straight shooting. Other times it's a silver ball. <laughs> just bouncing off of one mustache to the next. <laughs> okay, well, if you like what you heard, you can follow us at Lasergraves on Instagram. You can check out all of our back episodes at lasergraves.com or listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. As always, go check out all of our friends, you know, Bad Taste Video, Neon Brainiacs, and everybody else, Reconcinimation. There's so many other podcasts that are trying to tackle equally uh, ridiculous films. We're all, we're doing the hard work. Really hard work. We're doing it for you. (laughs) We're doing it because we love you. Um, But that is it for this week. Uh, If you want to follow us, we're on Instagram at our personal sites. I'm at Arg the Awful, and you are... At Mariah Rose Wimmer. And maybe we'll get around to doing that custom cover of Nightmare Weekend. I don't know. I don't have anything going on this week. Sure. Yeah, we're not busy at all. Yeah. We got no AC, so that's happening. Yeah. All right. Well, stay cool, everybody. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 